0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packet 8 Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day podcast and the Blue Wire Network.
2: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day podcast.
3: What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. Joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Ross, I want to jump right in it today. Uh, two days ago was a very exciting victory for the Green Bay Packers over the Los Angeles Rams. Um, what were your first initial thoughts of this game? If you could sum it up just in a few a few sentences, give me your elevator pitch on basically what happened in this game.
2: Oh, uh, Matthew Stafford turned it over twice, and Aaron Rodgers didn't turn it over. That's my that's my answer for you.
3: Yeah, which is basically the difference between a guy like Stafford and a guy like Rodgers, honestly. Right. And I think Packers fans have been saying it since Stafford was traded to the Rams. Like, yeah, Stafford's good. Like, don't get me wrong. He's he's a good football player, right? But when push comes to shove, you know, what's, what's really the difference between like a Kirk Cousins and a Matthew Stafford? Stafford's got a little bit more of a live arm. Like, I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, that's so...
2: I mean, uh, I think... Not a ton. You know, obviously, like, I I think reputation-wise, like, Stafford is still a little bit more sterling just because I think everybody kind of pities him for being a lion for so long. And I think he gets credit for not, like, bailing out of there, which, granted, they made him a very wealthy man by him not bailing out of there. So... Uh, I think he gets a little bit more credit where Kirk is sort of ver- viewed as this self-mercenary guy that, you know, played the system and found the only GM dumb enough to guarantee him almost $30 million every year.
3: Yeah, that's fair. And luckily for the Packers, they were both in division <laughs> division for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah
2: exactly. And both, both things happened in their division, which is uh, useful.
3: And I think maybe the script would be flipped as well. If Cousins wasn't a fourth round pick, and, you know, Stafford's the first overall pick, the the toolsy guy from Georgia with everything going for him, except being able to win big games. And this, make no mistake, was a big game, a yeah. very big game um, that the Packers, uh, you know, banged up as they were going into the bye week. A lot of people, including Vegas, said they weren't favored to win this game. Yeah. And I, I didn't get to watch this game live, but I remember going back, I, I rewatched it last night. Followed it on Twitter, which was kind of interesting, kind of a fun, exp- not fun, but interesting experience to see just the highs and lows of a game strictly only from Twitter. And like hey, game was- I'll say this,
2: and I'm going to get into, you know, some of this stuff um, afterwards, like the the film. They were the better team, like uh, rewatching that game. There's not fluky stuff going on. Um if no, if if Green Bay plays the Rams in those weather conditions at that place ten times, I think they win seven or eight times. I, I really do. Like I, I get that eventually the betting markets went the other way, but they were just better. Period. In my opinion.
3: Yeah, and that's exactly what I was just going to get into. I took you take the. What's interesting about following it that way and knowing the outcome and knowing generally what happened in the game, going back and watching it for the first time, that game wasn't competitive. Like I get like the emotional part of it as a Packers fan. You could look, you know, late into the game and say, like, oh, they're mounting a comeback. No, they weren't. That game was <laughs> over. That game was over at the end of the third quarter. Every everything that happened in the fourth quarter, that was garbage time stuff. That game was well within hand by the Packers. I mean, they, they took them behind the woodshed, and they, they basically did what they wanted to do. They, they were not stopping that offense. Aaron Rodgers and the offense would have gone and scored as many times as they needed to last night against guys like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, uh, Vaughn Miller, all these guys that, you know, these high-prolific, pro high-profile type guys, Packers just went out and, and did what they do, and that's win games and win football games. And they played, they played sound football. They played, uh, you know, mistake-free. Aside from the Randall Cobb blip, which going back and and, wa- and watching it again, knowing the outcome, the only thing I did at that point I just laughed. I mean, like, are you kidding yeah. me? You know, you, we're, we're clamoring all season to get Amari away from that because he and, he makes. Him can want to pull I address?
2: Your out. Can I address a fuss that I made on Twitter? Yes. I I complained about the fact that this guy, you know, was. Uh, Oh, breaking news. Brian Kelly to LSU. Woo! Officially official, Pete Thamel. Let's go. Uh fun for Brian Kelly to actually move into the Power 5. Good for him after Cincinnati and Notre Dame.
3: <laughs> sick sick burn. <laughs> Woo!
2: Anyway, uh, what the hell were you talking about before I had to get my Notre Dame jokes? Oh, uh,
3: you made a you made a gripe about. Uh, oh yeah,
2: I complained which... that it was an internal hire. I complained that they hired the special teams job internally after what we saw last season. And yes, I understand that Maurice Drayton did not bobble the football. Randall Cobb bobbled the football. What I am saying is that over and over and over and over again, the special teams has been a negative for the Packers. If zero is terrible, 50 is not affecting the game either way, and 100 is the 96 special teams, they have been a 10 or a 20 all freaking year. So that's what I mean. They hired somebody from a staff that wasn't getting the job done, and he's not getting the job done. Yes, I understand that this specific thing, he was not coached to not be able to complete a fair catch. But the fact that you even had to go to Randall Cobb, who is in his 11th year in the league or some, something like that, the fact that you even had to go to him over your primary option and the guy that you built your punt return unit around in week 13 of the NFL season tells you the the, the problem that you have created by not either scouting amari rogers correctly not teaching amari rogers correctly whatever um in general they've been a bad unit and snarking back at me on twitter because the coach didn't drop the punt
0: is just so far beyond the point we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
3: Yeah. It's the literal embodiment of the GIF point over your head. And I still I think I think they roll with Cobb the rest of the year because I still trust that he can go back and catch a punt. But also, Tyler Irvin is just sitting out there. I'm just gonna yeah. say he's just yeah. sitting out there. And at what point do you say you know what? Enough is enough. We'll roster this guy just to return punts, just because we trust that he can go feel the damn punt and and make good decisions. Anything beyond that at this point in the season is gravy, right? If he can get if he can give you a five yard, twelve yard return, that's great. I just want someone back there that I am not sweating nervously just like oh god what like what's what reality show are we getting today with with whatever's going on back there and in Randall's defense you know LA's returner had a hard time too I don't know if the if if the winds were swirling or what was going on uh, but still that that needs to happen especially when you're the home team and that's your stadium if you're your fielding punts in You let the other team make those mistakes, not you. So, yeah, that is an issue that needs to get fixed. And I think outside of them getting healthy, that is priority number one, is do something to make these special teams average. Make them not lose you games. I I don't know what that is, but uh, Drayton really isn't getting it done. So I would not be surprised if he's kind of a one-and-done type guy because it has gotten worse and it is, I mean, they're bottom of the league bad. So uh, yeah, bad stuff. But one thing I do want to go through Ross, and we were talking about this before the show is just kind of going through the PFF grades because I think some of them were pretty reflective of what went on in this game. Others are are big time head scratchers, which is usually the case with PFF, but um, I still think they're interesting and I love looking at them. So top PFF grades for this defense. I'll I'll count. I'll go backwards. I'll start with five and work my way up. Number five, Eric Stokes, seventy point eight, which is basically an above average grade. Um, He was targeted nine times, gave up only three receptions for twenty yards, only four yards after the catch, one pass breakup, which was a drop pick six, and then an NFL QB rating of forty two point four. My man had a game. Like he played really well. The Packers seem like they absolutely struck gold again in the first round with Eric Stokes. I think he's going to be a player. And one thing Ross that I think is worth talking about is, you know, Eric Stokes probably had his worst game of the season last week against the Vikings, and to come back and and put this type of performance out against the L.A. Rams with Cooper Cup, with Van Jefferson, oh, with Odell Beckham Jr. who. You know, spurring the Packers to go there for him to put up that type of performance, I think is is really impressive for the young guy. What were your initial takes um, on the rookie Eric Stokes?
2: He's impressive and it's a good bounce back. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson kind of woodshedded him a little bit uh, in, in Minneapolis, specifically the game winning touchdown or, um, you know, game, I guess. Touchdown to put them ahead, and then Green Bay came back with MVS and, and then the field goal, but the, the last touchdown that Minnesota scored. And, you know, that's what you want to think. You know, um, my guy, Zach Willis over at Bison Report, he talks about the DB mindset being that of a goldfish, man. Just forget, like, next play, next week, nothing. And, and I think even as a corner, you can get in your own head, you know, and, and let a guy beat you two weeks in a row or, or even just get into a slump where you're second-guessing, and that's one thing at that cornerback spot. You have to be super decisive. You have to make good decisions. You got to make them quick. It's important. And for him to come, you know, back and, and really shut down. And I'm pretty sure I, you know, I'd have to go back and look at the tape, which I will, but I'm pretty sure they went with left corner, right corner. I don't think anybody followed Odell. Um, certainly nobody followed Cooper cup into the slot. So multiple occasions of like Devondre Campbell covering Cooper cup. That made me real nervous, but the, the Rams didn't really figure it out or didn't really take a ton of advantage of it. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I think you, you watch the way that he played um, you know, the way that he played on that, that pump and go on third down against Odell was right there the whole way. Uh, you know, Van Jefferson, like running into him and then the entire sideline looking for a PI shout out to the official for not calling DPI on that. Um you know, he, he was really good, and that's what you're going to get. And your hope is, with him, that the game that he played against the Rams in year two or year three is just him every week. And then you got a Pro Bowl cornerback, and then you pair him with Jaw, and then you, you really you really cook cooking with gas. Because that's something that I don't think people understand enough about last year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody understands that Barrett and JPP were a huge problem. But you know what else was a problem? Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy Bunting just locking guys down. And when your pass rush is good and your corners are good, you're good. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, think of think of the Green Bay Packers that won the Super Bowl in 2010. Okay, the one spot that they probably didn't love was the Frank Zombo spot. But you had Cullen Jenkins providing such interior pressure that they kind of got away with that. They had an elite pass rusher in Clay Matthews. They had three elite corners in Sam Shields, Tremont Williams, and Charles Woodson, and they had Nick Collins. And when you have elite pass rush and elite coverage guys, you're elite defensively.
3: Yeah, and that's with a Charlie Pepra playing the other safety spot, which you can get away with because he's a smart player. And uh, I I love what the Packers have on the back end. I love what's developing up front, and we'll get to one of those guys here in a second. But the fourth-graded player was Tyler Lancaster. Honestly, I didn't really notice him. I I think that's uh you know, probably a good, a, a decent thing because in the past, whenever I've really noticed Lancaster, it's because he's getting, you know, blocked five yards into the you know, into his own backfield. So uh did you have any initial takeaways on Lancaster? You think that's that above average grade is how he played? I think he played above average yesterday.
2: I'll be I'll be blunt with you, no. Um, just because I have have not paid attention to Tyler Lancaster. I mentioned we're I'm gonna get into the film. I've, I've done this is what I did, folks. Full disclosure, I always try to be really transparent with everybody as far as my coverage is concerned. Uh, I watched the game live. I watched the condensed version on Game Pass. I am now getting into the film. I'm about five plays into offense, so I I'm not gonna give you Tyler Lancaster takes. I'll give you Eric Stokes takes because I I was able to pay attention to what Eric Stokes was doing. Um, if I'm not grinding as you were, I'm not paying attention to Tyler Lancaster. I'm sorry.
3: Well, and that's exactly my point is the hey, wasn't getting blown plays, up. And, and you know exactly what? They played well.
2: a light box and they played a light, light box. I mean, they were in nickel all day. And honestly, they were, they being now pronouns, pal, they being the Rams were pretty darn successful running the football. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought they could really get, four or five yards whenever they wanted. But ultimately, um, they were not able to stay that patient. They they just couldn't commit to the run. And, and that's kind of surprising for McVay, but not that surprising from Stafford.
3: And actually, I mean, I'm looking up, I want to say they averaged less than four yards a pop on the ground. Um, and if that's the case, it's pulling up right now. So, yeah, they average yeah, they averaged 3.4 yards a carry. Um, Darrell Henderson carried 16 times for 55 yards, 3.4 yards. Longest run they gave up was seven yards. Um, but I, I agree. They had some, I think it's because they had some, uh, TFLs in there and you know, they, there's nothing really weighing it down. Sony Michelle averaged 4.7. So they had some decent runs, but I think overall they did a decent job on the ground. And, but you are right that they did throw the ball 39 times. So, uh, they kind of got away from it. But I think if that's the case, if you're holding someone under four yards of carry, then, you know, the guy that basically you're having out there, you say, and, and and make no mistake, Tyler Lancaster, go eat blocks. Like that is your job.
2: Right. And, and if,
3: and if he, if you did that, then you're not really going to notice it, but he must've done, done a good job. So uh, good for him. And If you're uh, going
2: to play a two, four nickel on first down a ton, like those two have to take up four blockers. Your, your two deep tackles, both have to be eating double teams.
3: Yes. Yep, and I think if he does anything well, I guess there are weeks that he does do that well. Uh, for as as much maligned as he can be, he's not always a well, I just fan.
2: want my trash can full of dirt. I just want Jack Heflin, but I'm not going to get it, apparently. <laughs>
3: they seem like the same person. Uh, but uh, so third overall, everybody's favorite, uh, Bain Gary, Rashawn Gary, uh, 77.4, which is an above average grade. And I think that's fair um, because my man was battling with one of the best left tackles in the National Football League, and he made his place. And and I don't. <clears throat> I want to preface this with what I'm about to say is I love Zedaria Smith. I think he's a fantastic football player. But if I do have one gripe on on Z, it is you know his versatility allows you to basically put him on the opponent's weakest offensive lineman and say go eat Z. And he takes advantage of those matches, matchups quite often, right? That's why he's such a good player. But then you see games, you know, a couple NFC championship games where the opposing team doesn't really have a weakness on their offensive line and Z doesn't really show up. And that might be because of the fact that, Hey, where is our advantageous matchup here? Oh, there isn't one. We just need Z to go out and beat another good football player. It just, he's just, you know, it's, doesn't always happen. But one thing that I love about Rashawn Gary, coming into that game, Andrew Whitworth had given up seven pressures all season long, which was by far and away the least for a, t- a tackle in the NFL. And Andrew Whitworth has been – he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He is a fantastic football player, just one of those guys Nicky. that's just been at the top of the league, at the top of his position for a very long time. And that play that he made to, to dip under him – and to basically take three strides with him holding him, carrying him on his back as he propels himself into the quarterback. I mean, that is, when you talk about a 10 RAS, 10 relative athletic score, that's that's what you're talking about. That is an absolute freak show athletic play that he made to get that ball out. And that's the type of thing that if this team is, and if this defense is going to get over the top and kind of get over that final hump and get to the Super Bowl and win it. That's the type of play they need from their young playmakers. Not, Hey, where can we find the weakness for you to go make a play? Right. Can you just go make a damn play? Can you just go beat a dude, be a dude and beat a dude. And that's what Rashawn Gary, I think brings to the table. And that's what gets me so excited about him. Uh, but Ross, what were your thoughts on him? That above average grade, you think that is a fair grade for him?
1: the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers, Vikings in Minnesota. going to be heading west for that game. Attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to tickpick.com slash packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase.
2: He's been excellent, man, and, and I'm glad uh, – I mean, I guess they lost the game, so maybe I don't know how glad I am, but I'm glad that they, you know, sat him against Minnesota and really got what appeared to be, um, you know, an elite player back and were able to get an elite player uh, to to show what he can do against the Rams and against, an, a like you said, a likely Hall of Famer. Um in uh in, in Andrew Whitworth. And and I got I mean, like I said, he he's just been so so good. And I'm glad they didn't bring back, you know, kind of a like sixty-five percent version of him to just get hurt again. Um glad that he's able to be effective with that elbow brace, doesn't look like any lost strength. Um gonna get him healthy, gonna get him some rest in the next two weeks. And ultimately, I you know, I've been really, really impressed with his development. Um you know, I, and this will be my take moving forward, and and what I've admitted, what I've said, yeah, I was I was wrong about Rashawn Gary. I wasn't wrong about Brian Burns. I was right about Brian Burns. Brian Burns is a very, 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 very good football player. But I ranked Gary well behind him. I ranked Gary, you know, as the 30th overall player. I gave him a first round grade. I thought he was, you know, a guy that the Packers should take where they normally pick and not where they were picking that year uh, at twelve and and boy I'm glad that they uh, were picking at 12 because in a redraft I don't think he lasts until 12 just just my opinion with how he's playing right now
3: no I and that's what I tweeted get this he's 23 he's 23 yeah. years old yeah and he's only getting better he's only going to continue to get better I still think there's a lot of untapped potential unbelievable and,
2: mindset too for a 23 year old young man
3: yeah yeah you 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 talk you hear about how he is just an absolute animal. How he attacks his preparation, how he attacks the game. His I mean, he plays, he is a hair on fire type guy. I think Clay Matthews, but bigger, faster, stronger. That's how he plays. You know, he he just he's never out of a play. He he gives you 110%. I think someone, I think it was someone on the team said it the other day where it's like if you see him moving slow, if you see him not exploding off the line of scrimmage, it's because he's tired. Yeah. And that's, that's a hundred percent of what he has at that point in time. Sure. And that's an attitude and that's an attitude you need on defense. So I love it. Love to see it. I'm glad he is a green Bay Packer and I'm with you. I was wrong about him. I was disgusted when they picked him over Brian Burns. i very happy to be wrong about that. Uh, these next two guys, as far as top defensive guys are so funny because it's like very on brand for you. Cause I know you love one of these guys, and I know you opposite of love of one of these guys. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to give you both. Of them. Jacob. I'm just going to give it to you right now. Uh, Chris Barnes was number two, and Rasul Douglas, number one graded player for the Packers yesterday with an elite score. Talk to me about those two dudes.
2: Uh, you know there is no completion. There is only Sewell, um, <laughs> my guy. I, and look, I, I'll be I'll be honest about the whole thing. Like I, I loved Rasul coming out, and that's when a guy doesn't work out other places, and then your team gets a chance to to, you know, kind of revitalize his career. But he was like one of your guys during the draft. There's no feeling quite like that, you know. It's an opportunity not only to be proven right, but for your team to get him for nothing, and that's basically what they've done. They've got. And above average, because let's just let's go and and look. I'm, I give this, I, I give this disclaimer every time I talk about them. No, they're not the gospel, but it's a bunch of people that watch football every day, and that's all they do, and whatever. Like pro football focus may not be the gospel, but damn it, they are what we have. <laughs> they they are what we have at this point, point. Um, and, and so for PFF. Uh, Sewell is currently their 32nd ranked corner out of the 117 corners who have played at least 200 snaps. Was the number that I picked. So that that's that's not necessarily elite. But what did I just say? 32. How many teams are there? Uh, Thank you for that. There's 32 teams. He's technically a CB1. He would be the worst CB1 in the league. You know, he would, but shit. That means he might be one of the better number two corners in football. And again, okay, whatever. Like, they're not the gospel. You don't agree with their grading. You think he sucks. Fine. He doesn't suck. And he's put that on tape. And ultimately... What I'm trying to say is, he's a damn good football player that they were able to get for absolute peanuts. Also, say this: I don't need to see him coming off the field anymore. Mm. Like, I don't care if it's for Kevin King. I don't care what. Like, he just stays on the field now, guys. Period. Yeah. I'm done with it. Bench Sewell and we riot. That's 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 the stance.
3: The only so here, let me let me throw this at you,
2: okay. Rasul
3: Douglas at left corner. Okay. Eric Stokes at right corner.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know where you're Jair going.
3: Jair Alexander at the star position. How does how does that I've make you r- feel? Does that make you tingly inside?
2: Yeah, and and that, and so I actually had this conversation with Jason Hershorn from the Leap on um, the post game show we did right there live on Twitter on Packer Report at Packer Report sixty six. Follow up at Packer Report sixty six. If you're not already, the 66, of course, a nod to our founder, the great Rain Nitschke. Um here right, right. Okay. So my initial scare with the jaw at star idea, and I think everybody's idea with that is nickel, especially if you're gonna be playing five one or two four nickel, two four two, you know, or two four, two four five. Um, is that the nickel has to be a run defender. Has to be somebody, um, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, you can edit that one out. Um, it has to be a run defender, uh, has to be somebody that either has to set an edge. Um, sometimes if somebody's pulling it has to be a force player, I, I know you can't cut anymore. Or you shouldn't cut anymore, but you, you have to be involved in the, in the run game or you should be. And then I really think to myself. Jake, how many times have you seen Chandon come up and make a play against a run? Sincerely, think about that. Not much. How how many Chandon slot stops on an outside run do you remember? None. He's a coverage player. Starr's a coverage player. And the only difference then, if he's really not a force run player, is, well, then he's just a coverage player, but his receiver really has a two-way go and is a slot player. And so if he's just a coverage player, which is basically what I've seen, you know, from, from Chandon, well, then he can be Chandon. He can be an interior corner and a, probably a way better interior corner than Chandon Sullivan. And, and that the idea of Jot Star used to raise questions like, oh, my God, you already have a problem in that they're IDing Kevin King to the moon in the NFC Championship game. You definitely don't have a second outside corner that you can play if you move John to the slot. Well, guess what, folks? They have found out that they do have two outside corners. Their names are Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes. And if you remove the ability to just nuke that Henry Black, Chandon Sullivan slot team into oblivion, you're cooking with gas. Yeah, you and you move Chandon back to dime where he excelled his first year in Green Bay when Tremont was the nickel, you move Chandon back to dime job becomes a star. You're rolling with Sewell and Stokes on the outside. And you still have Kevin King as kind of a Swiss army knife back up at all positions, rotational guy, whatever. All of a sudden you're feeling pretty darn good about this cornerback group. I don't know if you're feeling like 2020 Tampa Bay bucks about this cornerback group, but you're feeling pretty good about this cornerback group.
3: And, even with even with being a run defender, I'm not I'm not concerned with
2: Jair hold,
3: holding up. I think I think he would actually I think he's an actually really scrappy. No, he is, but but but, but your the, your concern the shoulder, is the re
2: injury, the shoulder, the re injury. Exactly. Yeah,
3: yep, exactly what I was getting at. And so like that's the decision they're going to have to make. Is no, make he's crazy.
2: a better run defender than Chandon all day, and yep. a better blitzer. We've seen yep. all that.
3: And I think that's you might start seeing some, you know, Charles Woodson twenty ten type stuff with the way yeah. that they could potentially use him. Just let him go be a playmaker. Um, so that that's what would be interesting to me. Uh, and and we'll see, we'll see what they do. They they have options, and I love, you know, you said it the other day. Play 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 a five one. Leave D- Devondre Campbell out there. <laughs> put Jair in the slot, and all of a sudden, you just don't really have any not good players on the field. You have 11 guys that are good football players, which uh, defensively that is maybe more important than having one or two studs is do you have 11 guys that can play?
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: What we saw is Leftwich and Brady ID'd 39 and 20 in the biggest game of the season. Yep. They said we can beat 39 and 20. Period. And guess what? They did. They did. And they got to go to the Super Bowl and beat they the did. Chiefs instead of the Packers going to the Super Bowl and beating the Chiefs. <sighs> <laughs>
3: yep, they did. Uh, all right. Well, hey, let's move the offense. Let's go through the offense a little bit quicker here just because I don't think it's as interesting. I'm just going to read through them. and then, um, So their top five graded guys, five, uh, Dominic Daphne, above average grade, four, A.J. Dillon, above average grade, Devontae Adams, uh, high quality grade. Uh, he was third, second. Aaron Rodgers, high quality, bordering elite grade, and then first, Randall Cobb, high quality, bordering elite type grade. Um, and I thought the offense was fantastic last night. Uh, a lot of familiar faces in that top five, um, but I think what really needs to be talked about is the offensive line play. And I do have to say, I do have to say this: um, the reaction on Twitter not seeing the game live I, I went into that game thinking like oh i can't wait to watch this offensive line just kick the rams ass they didn't they did not like they did not no. kick their ass i think actually there they were survived times, yes they they survived i think i thought the run game was um horrendous i think aj dillon being at number 4 uh speaks volumes to him because he did it by himself yeah, i mean he he, he aj dillon at absolutely time, he did with with this interior offensive line has been very much a F it. I'll do it by myself type runner, which is great because they need that. Um,
2: But I tell you what I got an interesting theory. I don't mean to interrupt, but I got an interesting, like from a, from a player personnel standpoint, I always took the Dylan pick as MLF was saying like, it'd be really cool to have a Derrick Henry in the cold. Yeah. And so they took like AJ Dylan. I wonder if they didn't take AJ Dylan thinking, we're going to get these really good, raw, pass-blocking prospects on the offensive line like Runyon and, and Newman and Yosh, and we're going to get these guys that are super athletes with great feet that will keep their asses pointed at Aaron Rodgers, but they're not going to be able to move anybody, and so if we're going to run the ball, we need somebody who's going to break tackles because they're he's not going to be unblocked. I wonder if that was like legitimately a thought process in just team building great pass blockers who can't really run block and then give get a back who will break tackles.
3: Yeah and and running that outside zone too that's kind of what it is. It's like, hey, can we can we get guys in front of other guys and let our backs cut off of that. And that's who AJ Dillon is. Um, That makes sense. But I think the guy that really stood out to me, though, and I thought actually surprised me with how he played, and he excites me for the future. We talk about uh, we talk about the Rashawn Gary level of athlete it is is Josh. That is yeah. what he is, and I mean he he is an absolute freak, freak. Though, athlete. Um, I think I was playing around with some some like shuttle times at certain weights, and there is about a dozen guys in the last 21 years that have done it's been a at plus 300 pounds the four five shuttle with like the sub four nine forty not a lot of guys yash is one of them and guys that are on that list are guys that are like eric fisher nate soldier um Taylor Luan, I believe, is on that list. Now, there's also other guys on there like Jason Spriggs, and that was pointed <laughs> out a plenty to me. But that is why Jason Spriggs was drafted as high as he was. And Josh has already put on, I mean, honestly, better film than what he's than what Spriggs ever did. And if they if they hit on this kid, then we're talking sky's the limit. I mean, he has every physical tool. Every single physical tool you would want. And what's wild to me about him is I was done. Done with this dude this preseason. After watching him be like, yeah, this is year three. He sucks. He ain't good. He's pretty good. And my man, if he's not a starter in this league at some point, and maybe for the Packers, maybe not, I don't know, he's going to be in this league for a long, long time. I think I think he's proven that. I think he is making himself some money this season um, as a as a swing tackle type. Oh, another guy on that list. Here, I just pulled up in front of me. Colton Miller on that list. Very good. Yeah. Um, Anthony Costanzo on that list. Very good. And then you have other guys um, like Joseph Noteboom. Uh, Noteboom, a backup type guy that's been in the league for a long time. Uh, Joe Haig, North Dakota State. He's on this list. Uh, been in the league for a long time good player, good football player, you know, guys that have stuck around and been able to, even if they're not all pro types have productive NFL careers. So that's exciting stuff is those types of athletes. Also all those guys on that list, it's like first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, fourth, fifth. And then it's like Yosh, (laughs) Yosh. Who's like, why didn't this guy get drafted just for the physical traits alone? It's kind of wild. But he's exciting. He may be, he may be the reason the Packers, win win a super bowl you know what i mean like just what he's been able to come in and do they're four what four and oh five and five and oh with him playing left tackle yeah i mean that is left tackle wins baby Hashtag. yeah like but i mean when you tell me okay hey Bakhtiar is not going to be back later than you expect oh by the way your other really good offensive lineman that's been playing lights out at left tackle he's going to get hurt too if you told me that at the beginning of the year, I would one probably say, well, that means Billy Turner has been playing left tackle, right? Nope. Yep. He's not. He's playing, he's playing right tackle, right? Yash is playing left tackle and they won five games with him. What? I mean, that's honestly the reaction you would have had. It's like that. I don't believe you, but he has been good. And he's, and what's most encouraging to me is he has gone up against like a murder row of edges too. And he's, and i tell you he's, what, about he's better Billy. every week.
2: Yeah. Tell me but about just Billy. about, just about Billy, man, like, How about just a guy, I don't know if a single story has been written. I don't know if anybody's even mentioned his name. And also not in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Like, what he has done at right tackle, just absolutely holding it down with zero questions. By the way, making $7 bucks a year, like, very pedestrian money. Um, has really just been incredible and, and played every game, probably damn near every snap, just the reliability and the rubber that his body is apparently made out of. You see him get run up on by, you know, defensive ends and even his own tailbacks and stuff. But I try to, to stay away from gushing about Billy as as much as I can. People understand that I've known Billy for a long time. Um, you know, he's a North Dakota state guy, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point you just got to give a man his flowers and holy cow for what he has done for, for this, this club. It just, I mean, really, really, really impressive.
3: Yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers has said he's really been pushing for Billy to be in that pro bowl conversation. I'm not sure if he gets there, Um, but yeah, he is. And we've said it on this, on this show, he has been an absolute rock for that offensive line. Um, and I don't know how far they are without him. And knock on wood that he continues to stay healthy because they would really be in trouble then at that point. Uh, but that is that's all for us today. Uh we we'll, we'll be back in a couple weeks after after the uh Bears game. So we got a bye week and a Bears, Bears game. So um good stuff ahead for the Packers. They're kind of through the the meter of their schedule here. Um, some easier games incoming, and that is good news for The Packers and for Packers fans alike, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Make sure you hit the five-star button if you enjoy Pack-A-Day podcast. We'll catch you next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!